0: Hi, I'm David Freudberg, the host of Humankind. I actually grew up in public radio. I've been in the field since I was 16. And from the start, I was taught to offer people content that will inform and enlighten. This podcast is dedicated to spreading ideas that speak to the highest part of our listeners rather than the lowest common denominator. If you like what you hear, we're asking for your help please leave us a kind review on iTunes so others can find us. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston. Support for this special series, Passengers, is provided by the American Public Transportation Association at publictransportation.org.
1: The nine miles of it that we have uh, as our initial rail line uh, in the south corridor, the real estate development up and down there is just tremendous. I mean, we have had so much economic activity around that light rail, and so, no, I was not at all surprised to see the business community roll in. I mean, sometimes you got to spend money if you're going to make money.
0: The role public transit can play in growing the economy and saving riders money. You're listening to Passengers, a special series from Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. For some reason, it's easy for us to miscalculate certain facts about transportation. For example, one study found that people who wait for a bus or a train estimate their delay at three times longer than it actually is. And when it comes to tallying up the various costs of owning and using a car, many people underestimate the total. According to Maria Choka Urban at the Center for Neighborhood Technology in Chicago, the consequences of this error can be painful.
2: Families that have moved further and further out in search of more affordable housing, um, have really experienced sticker shock that's completely unrelated to the house and has everything to do with what's happened with their car costs. They've, in many cases, had to add a car to make getting around uh, feasible for the family. Um, And they are, in all instances, when you get further out like that, driving much further distances uh, to get to work, to get to school to run their errands grocery shopping
0: while mass transit serves most american cities and many suburbs access to public transportation is sharply limited or totally non-existent in many other venues says former deputy secretary of transportation mort downey
3: over fifty percent of the people in america have no option to use transit They live. Somewhere in less dense area or in a rural area, uh,
0: there is no transit service. And bearing the costs of a car through purchase or lease, plus gasoline, insurance, maintenance, parking, can add up to heavy financial pressure, especially in economic hard times.
4: We obviously
0: have a major problem, problems with foreclosure, problems with people living on the edge, and problems with home values around the country uh, just plummeting. Presidential advisor David Axelrod in 2009, the recent housing crisis has limited the options of many. Most people prefer a brief journey to and from their workplace rather than a long slog frequently through rush hour traffic. But not everyone can afford a home close to their job. To find housing with a mortgage they can afford, many homeowners have ended up in properties at some distance from where they work, a pattern known as drive till you qualify. Maria Choka Urban.
2: The housing subdivisions in which uh, more recent buyers have been purchasing homes tend to be very low-density developments uh, that are apart and separate from commercial districts, uh, that are apart and separate from uh, schools and parks, and very frequently don't have Facilities that we take for granted in the city, like sidewalks, like bus shelters, uh, like bus service, uh, that, make, that give you choices about how to get around on a daily basis, um, and because of the lack of those facilities, uh, you have basically resorted to a single option, which is the automobile.
0: And perhaps auto-dependence is not unlike the future imagined by car companies in the era when America's suburbs began to mushroom.
1: Being able to drive out into the country has made many of us want to live in the country. And the motor car has made it possible for millions. Today, suburban construction is more than three times the construction in the city. And just as the motor car is a tool for working...
0: Today, with prices fluctuating at the gas pump, the fuel cost of extended commutes can vary. But the long-term direction is unmistakably upward. Gas prices have risen over time, a trend that is very likely to continue. And when they jumped sharply in 2008 to more than $4 per gallon on average, the economic impact on consumers was stark. Maria Choka Urban at the Center for Neighborhood Technology has studied the data.
2: What we found is that when gas prices spiked, there was a spike in foreclosure rates six months later. And what what we believe is happening is that those families or households that were just breaking even on the housing proposition, given what was happening with their uh, readjustment of their mortgage rates, et cetera, uh, that that gas prices really became the straw that broke the camel's back um, and sends them, you know, tips it into foreclosure.
3: If you can bring your use of the car down and maybe only have to own one car instead of two in your family, a big, big saving.
0: Mort Downey, former Deputy Secretary of Transportation.
3: Public transit definitely is a bargain. Fares in recent years have gone up as a function of having to pay for what's out there, but it is still. In a typical rider's uh, daily commute, it might be $2 for the fare, less if you're a daily rider. The the, uh, taxpayer is putting in at least an equal amount because of the benefits that are, social benefits that are created. People who are taking public
1: transportation save on average uh, about $9,000 a year.
0: Matt Merrill in Boston is a transportation advisor to the Apollo Alliance, a national coalition of labor, business, and environmental organizations supporting renewable energy.
1: You also see, the obviously, the effects of people who are employed in public transportation, either in the operations side, in the maintenance side, or in the manufacturing side, producing the vehicles and and equipment that are used in public transportation systems. You know, those people who are employed in that have more money and are able to go out and spend money in the economy and, and generate economic growth.
0: community that has embraced the economy-boosting potential of public transit is here in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a metro area population of nearly 2 million. America's 18th largest city, Charlotte is headquarters for Bank of America, the nation's biggest bank, and is also home to the auto racing company NASCAR. Population here has grown nearly a fourth in the last decade. We have lots and lots
1: of folks moving in here. Lots and lots of people driving cars, and we need to see if we can't get some of those automobiles off the highways and get folks into public transit uh, where it's better
0: environmentally. Chatham Olive is a longtime environmentalist in the Charlotte area and a former local staff member at the Sierra Club. While he sees benefits to air quality and to the planet from greater use of mass transit, Others focus on a different kind of green.
5: You can look at almost any transportation project and you can point to development that happened because of that.
0: Natalie English is senior vice president of the Charlotte Chamber of Commerce.
5: For example, along our south rail line, it was, it, it was a corridor that was deteriorating that, that basically all you did was drive down it. You didn't stop very often. $1.3 billion in investment was announced prior to the opening of the line in November of 2007. A lot of that has already been constructed, slowed down a bit because of the economy, but you know that hard infrastructure results in some sort of development. People
6: have been moving in for jobs and those people need a place to live.
0: Tina Votaw specializes in transit-oriented development for the Charlotte area transit system.
6: And, And for people who either couldn't afford to buy, didn't want to buy, didn't necessarily have to be downtown and couldn't afford necessarily to be, but wanted proximity. And so in the South End, which is the neighborhood right outside of downtown um, that our transit line uh, runs through, that is primarily where the new apartment construction has occurred.
0: Thousands of new housing units and some commercial properties have sprung up near the 10-mile-long South Corridor light rail line because people like to live and work close to public transportation. Installing the line cost nearly $460 million. About half came from federal funds, a fourth from the state of North Carolina, and the remainder from local residents who approved a half-cent sales tax to support the project. Some real estate developers have gained handsomely, but the city of Charlotte also benefits.
6: Those property taxes will be there um, every year. They don't go away.
0: Tina Votaw took me on a tour of the light rail line. We began in Uptown at the Charlotte Transportation Center station.
6: And this is its a unique design. Um, this is an artist-inspired canopy system that is unlike anything else in the country.
0: Kind of... Um, Green, large fiberglass sculptures.
6: At night, especially when the lights are on in these fiberglass canopies, it is fabulously beautiful. So here is our ticket vending machine. And um, what we'll probably want to do with you today is do a round trip. And then the ticket will kick out along with your change.
0: the train takes us through what's known as the historic South End, a district of low-rise industrial buildings where Charlotte's textile trade once flourished. Some of these structures have been renovated in the recent boom, while other locations have seen new construction.
6: This is, to our right, a construction company that just moved in with a couple hundred employees. This is a new development that was $80 million of apartments. It's 300 units of apartments. Uh, an industrial plumbing company site that the developer came in and intentionally bought because of its proximity to light rail. Um, Similarly, here's another to our right, another of the apartment projects. Um, It is another 300 units in a site, frankly, that was not terribly desirable prior to light rail.
0: On a mild afternoon as rush hour approached, I spoke to passengers waiting on the platform of a light rail station. Why do you take transit rather than use a car?
6: To get away from the traffic, and it's also very expensive to park downtown. Just $90 a month on the parking alone.
0: Do you find that public transit is inconvenient in any ways?
6: Absolutely not. I love it. I've I've been taking it every day since January, since I started my position here, and I absolutely love it.
0: May I ask what you do?
6: I'm a marketing coordinator. For
0: um,
1: the heaviest times of the day, it's not enough room.
0: Just too crowded?
1: Yeah, people standing on top of each other, stepping on each other's feet. It's it's ridiculous. People are holding their babies, trying to stand up.
0: Would you rather have a car?
1: At this point, yeah. Even though you have to deal with the traffic and the gas and whatnot, sometimes it's just a a downside to this. The doors close very fast. If you're not moving fast enough, then you're on to the next stop.
0: I'm wondering why you're choosing to take public transportation. Uh, Because it's convenient and it allows me to uh, do a lot of other things other than concentrate on traffic. Do you have a car? I do. And once you get out of the train, do you walk? I have a two-block walk. You have a bright smile on your face as you say that.
1: Yeah, I like it. I like it.
0: Listening to Passengers, a documentary project about public transportation from humankind, I'm David Freudberg. For more information on Passengers, including links to studies, videos, historical documents, and information about transit in your area, please visit our website, humanmedia.org.
5: Ridership projections are significantly higher than we ever thought. We have already surpassed our 20-year rider projections, and the system's only only been online for three years. So that, again, is another sales point.
0: Natalie English of the Charlotte, North Carolina, Chamber of
5: Commerce. The business community is concerned about transportation infrastructure for two reasons. Um, you can call it quality of life. That is making sure that people want to live here because if they don't want to live here, then they won't be working here. It's time of commute. It's transportation options. I don't want to just have the option of driving my car, but I want to be able to live along a transit line and, and ride a train or a bus in if that's an option that's available to me. It's air quality falls under quality of life because if we have poor air quality, then people get sick. But then it's also simply the logistics of moving goods. If our interstates and other arteries are clogged with people trying to get to their workplace, then the trucks carrying the products that we need to sell somewhere else are also sitting in that traffic. And time is money, and the longer it takes to get those goods to the shelf to be sold, then that costs more money than than businesses are able to make.
0: And to facilitate transit ridership, big Charlotte companies like the Bank of America make a concrete contribution to their employees. Betty Turner recently stepped down as senior vice president of public policy for the bank.
2: We look at a variety of options of assisting our employees. They include, you know, a stipend for transit passes, bus passes, and a stipend for. Um, reduction in parking.
0: And is that in part because it just is very expensive for a corporation like the Bank of America to maintain parking facilities?
2: I think it's more of being sure that our employees have the choices available and it's our way of our environmental commitment of subsidizing transit passes and bus passes.
0: The South Carter Light Rail was envisioned as just the first of five transit projects intended to connect central Charlotte with different sections of the metro area. But in 2007, there was an attempt to stop the train. That was the name of a campaign to repeal the half-cent sales tax that citizens had approved nine years earlier. Libertarian and other critics of public spending saw the light rail project as unaffordable. But to defend the tax, an unlikely coalition formed.
1: Well, I have to say it was one of the greatest experiences of my life to kind of be involved in this. Environmental activist Chatham Olive. I mean, here we had real estate developers. We had the Chamber of Commerce. It's rather conservative, lots of great folks, but Chamber of Commerce. We had folks from the environmental community. We had folks from the banking community, we had our big energy producer, and we have a good bit of money invested in the light rail system, and to all of a sudden say, whoa, wait a minute, stop, we're not doing it two months before the thing was scheduled to have its grand opening, I mean,
0: it was just pure insanity. In the end, voters in Charlotte decisively defeated the repeal by a margin of 70 to 30, and the light rail system celebrated its opening weeks later. When Americans board public transportation, as they do about 35 million times each weekday, an army of workers support the journey. An estimated 380,000 people from drivers to repair staff are employed in transit. The giant economic stimulus bill funded by Congress in 2009 included about $24 billion allocated for local transit agencies, high-speed rail projects, and Amtrak. It meant new contracts and increased revenues for many sectors of the industry that underlies public transportation. Fred Yant is the editor of Mass Transit Magazine. If I'm a transit agency and I order 50 new buses from New Flyer, I'm not talking about New Flyer.
1: I'm talking about New Flyer and every company, the company that makes the seats, the company that makes the lights, the company that makes the, the fire prevention system, the company makes the tires. Every company that goes into that, and it could be a hundred companies, each one of those companies that feeds into this one bus or these hundred buses, there's jobs and there's workers there. A good portion of those companies are U.S. companies.
0: One transport company with U.S. workers is the Italian-based rail manufacturer Ensaldo Bredo. Here in Pittsburgh, California, it operates in a former World War II tank factory the size of about five football fields. Today, some 40 employees at the site are assembling new trains and refurbishing older ones for use in U.S. public transit systems. One worker told me the pay ranges between $15 and $45 per hour. Cristiano Teresi is the project manager.
3: For L.A., we're working on... Uh eight cars, and for, for Muni we're also working on eight cars, San Francisco. So this is basically a final assembly plan, all, all the parts come from elsewhere? That's correct, yeah. The, the shells come from uh, Italy, Pistoia, Italy. A lot of the other parts come from uh, U.S. suppliers, like the trucks, uh, the, the axles, the wheels. That's uh,
0: U.S. parts. And what are the main things that the guys working here are actually doing with these uh, vehicles? So they do the
3: final assembly on the interior, so all the paneling, all the seats, and then they also do the undercar. They do the uh, they add a, a large a lot of the final large components on the under undercar. Here you see that that's why we have it up on these uh, high trucks so that they can work underneath the car. Over here we do the testing of the vehicles, the new vehicles. There's a test area. So this Hi. is Dave. Is your name Lee? Yeah. Lee nice Kumari. He's our quality control person. He's been working uh, well in this facility for a long time actually.
4: This project I've been on this one for going on three years now. Can you um, want to go inside the train? It's not as cold. Uh sure. We just turned the heater off <laughs> because we're we're trying to wind the car down at this point. Thank
0: you. It feels a little warmer in here though. Yeah it is. So here we are in in what very much looks like a a standard public transportation vehicle. Uh, The seating is all in place. I I take it this is new seating.
4: Yes, it is new seating. Uh, Actually, this is one of the vehicles that we're trying to finalize for Los
0: Angeles Metro. At
4: about 95% signed off. And should be ready for possible
0: delivery within the next two weeks. And this is a this is a brand-new vehicle. Yes, this is a brand-new vehicle. It, I, I hesitate to say this has that new car smell.
4: <laughs> it does, doesn't it? And it does look great, too. It's not just the smell, but the look. By the time it leaves, I mean, it's ready to, you know, load up with passengers. There's nothing more fulfilling because on a day-to-day basis as I drive around, you see vehicles that you've worked on,
0: you know, from scratch to finish.
4: This is what we call the operator's console.
0: So this is where the, the driver has... A whole display panel of all the controls, kind of the equivalent of a pilot's cabin in an airplane. Exactly, and as
4: you can tell, I mean everything is, you know, technology-wise, the latest um, tech that you'll find out there. Touchscreen on the IDU, which pretty much lets you know what condition the vehicle's in. That's what our horn would sound like. <laughs> Pretty loud, isn't
0: it? Uh, yeah. So, is it going to blow me out if I if I go outside and and and? <laughs> and, and Actually,
4: I'll, I'll I'll put it on low, Let's just hear. to ensure that. Um, that's what our low sounds like, and we do have what we call what we call the gong, which is. You. This is what you normally hear at the station, but the horn. Uh, that's pretty much a warning that if I'm coming your way, it's time to go.
0: I'll have to um, get on one of these vehicles in L.A. when you get them down there.
2: I'm a transit enthusiast, so I try and take transit almost, I will go out of my way almost. I, I do own a car, but uh, use it very sporadically. Um, and I, I do um, walk and, and bike as well. But I do like to take transit whenever I can. Um, and why is that? Um, well, I, I like it, it. It makes me feel like I'm in a real city, a vibrant, moving city. And that's really kind of, for, for me, is, is very important. I really like that feeling.
0: Stephen Field, a graduate student studying Metropolitan Planning at Chicago's DePaul University, typifies many of his generation. It's a trend that has not eluded marketers. The automobile, once a rite of passage, Advertising Age recently wrote, is becoming less relevant to a growing number of people under 30.
7: You look at how sort of relationships to cars have changed, particularly among younger people, and it's really quite striking.
0: Joseph Swederman directs the Chaddock Institute for Metropolitan Development at DePaul University.
7: 20, 30 years ago, Cars exemplified flexibility. Uh, They exemplified sort of freedom, Uh, contingency, uh, spare-of-the-moment decisions. Nothing was better being in a car. You could turn around and pick up the friend that you forgot. That's changed now, where people see cars as much more restrictive in the sense that um, you're you're stuck behind the wheel. Uh, It's much more expensive than traveling on a bus. And I think it took not only uh, uh, rising youth unemployment for people really to think twice about filling that car up with gas but in urban settings they're very conscious of what the outlay is and not to mention the uh the flexibility they now have on a, a bus or train you know to kind of seamlessly continue their work their social interactions their um you know their chill out time texting people and uh, so the car is seen as kind of this big apparatus you've got to take with you when you go somewhere which isn't necessarily what they want to do
0: I visited a downtown Chicago train station with several of Professor Sweeterman's students.
5: Every once in a while, I'll, take, I'll get on the metro if I'm coming into the city, which I think is really fun. I really enjoy the, the train kind of from the suburbs into the city.
0: What do you like about it?
5: Well, for one thing, it's more spacious, it's more comfortable, and I just kind of like...
0: Than, than being cramped in your own car?
5: well, there's that, and then there's also the idea of being stuck in traffic for two hours, <laughs> which I, would, I try to avoid as much as possible.
8: Part of the great experience of living in a city like Chicago is there are so many different unique neighborhoods and environments in which you can uh, interact in uh, on a day-to-day basis and find something new all the time. And public transportation, I really think, uh, helps connect those interests to actual you know, settings where you can explore.
0: Now, how about the use of technology to make sure that you
2: get to the bus or the train on time. It's been a lifesaver for me because I, uh, one of the buses I use sometimes is pretty much right across the street from me, so uh, I have an iPhone app on my phone, Buster, and I just check that, and it can tells me you know the next three or four trains will uh, be in five minutes, ten minutes. I mean, you still have to wait depending on transfers and stuff like that, but it really cuts down on a lot of your wait time.
5: You know, basically... From the second I get onto the train until I get off, I'm using my phone. I have an iPhone too, so um, I use it to stay connected, um, both personally and professionally. Because I have a, I can actually get my my email on my on my phone, so I do my work email while I'm on the metro and stuff like that, if possible.
8: Primarily, I, I would use uh, my phone for. Um, you know, reading reading the newspaper, um, you know, whether that's the Chicago Tribune or the New York Times, um, I find it, you know, a great way to pass the time. And, and um, I do also uh, have uh, listened to an iPod um, a lot of the time just as more ambient noise, background noise to kind of drown out, you know, some of the conversations that do occur when people uh, get uh, overly excited uh, talking on their phone on public transportation. Uh, but for the most part, you so know. So
0: technology is both a, a blessing and a curse.
8: Yeah, like everything else, right? Uh, you know, as we move further and further into you know a wireless environment where you know uh, people are not going to be subjected to not being connected now.
0: Brian Izzo with Linda Romano dare and Stephen Field, passengers of the Chicago Transit Authority. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Studio recording by Antonio Oliar. Associate Producer, Mike Jansen. Editorial assistance from Thomas Royal, Kathy Graham, Fred Yant, and Art Cohen. Webmaster, Brian K. Johnson. Special thanks to Dave Kanzig and Tony Buck. Our program is produced by Human Media in association with WGBH Boston. Program development provided by Shart Media.
6: To purchase a CD copy of this program, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. That's 1-800-5-LISTEN. or visit our website where you can also obtain an audio download of this and our other programs and can hear selected episodes free. You can access free written materials related to this program as well. Our web address is humanmedia.org. Again, if you'd like to purchase a CD copy of Humankind by phone, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. And our web address is
0: humanmedia.org. This segment, Part 2 of Passengers, is Humankind Program number 162.
2: The executive producer is David Freudberg. This is Humankind.